from Relay FM. This is Upgrade, episode 166. Today's show is brought to you very kindly by folk over at Eero, Casper, and Encapsula. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Hello, Jason Snell. Hello, Mr. Mike Hurley. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Mr. Jason Snell. I understand that you are much better rested this week than you were last week. Yeah, I got a little. Uh, I got a little more sleep because I was having a little sleep deficit, and uh, it's turned really to the fall here in Northern California. Hey, but it's Jason cooler. Snell, Jason Snell, the, nobody the, cares the about that. The leaves are turning, Jason. Oh, no yeah, one you're cares right. about That's it. True. It's time for hashtag Snell Talk, and this week's Snell Talk question comes from Pete, and Pete wants to know regarding the Series Three Watch Dot. Did you ever believe, Jason, that you would beat Mike to putting a sticker on a new Apple product? Uh, why you have to lash out, Pete? Why you have to do? Why? Why? Why, why you gotta put that hate on me, Pete? So, uh, I I have uh, a couple of statements here. One is, I do have a. First off, it's not a sticker; it's a decal. It's totally different. It's nope. a decal. That's not nope. That's the vinyl decal. So, totally different. So are so many of mine, Jason. All right. Well, those <laughs> those are better than than your paper stickers. And uh-huh. and second, I I actually have decals on most of the apple products that i use my yep. imac has a rainbow apple logo decal on it my macbook air has a rainbow apple logo decal on it always be branding always on brand so it's not quite as surprising as you'd think um and the the funniest part is that i i didn't get a watch dot that was black to make my space gray phone uh, or space gray watch uh less recognizable instead i got one that was orange so it could be just a little bit off from the red and go with my orange uh, sport band that I wear most of the time. So looks good. I have thought about it. Yeah, it looks, I mean, it's subtle, right? In the mm-hmm. sense that you could be like, oh, that's that red dot. Well, it's not quite a red dot. It's, it's orange. Um, I have thought about buying black watch shots though and just putting it on and being like, forget about this. So maybe, maybe I'll get there. But yeah, Pete, you know. I, I contain multitudes. I sometimes put stickers on things. I got stickers on the back of my iMac. I got stickers on my iPod Hi-Fi. That's covered with stickers because who cares? It's an iPod Hi-Fi. Uh, so yeah, anyway. Also, somebody pointed out, this is a, here's a little Snell Talk, talk follow-up. Somebody pointed out that uh, iOS 11, I think, officially does away with the last vestiges of iPod Hi-Fi support. Yeah. That it used to be certain devices could still attach to the iPod Hi-Fi uh, via adapters and see it and have the setting for like the EQ and stuff. And that's not in iOS 11. They took that out. It's about time. That, I can't believe it, it lasted. I, 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 mind-boggling that it's lost. Honestly, if you're going to use the iPod Hi-Fi with an Apple product attached via the dock connector, it needs to be a vintage Apple product. Yeah, you've got like a little iPod Nano just like constantly mm-hmm. fixed to the thing, and then that's just how it powers the music. Like that's, that's exactly. the only way that should work, really. Or you do what I do, which is the aux input. And I actually wish... Here's a here's a thing that somebody with a 3D printer could make for me, if you're, if you're feeling really... Uh, th- there's a huge market for this. Which is, you know, the iPod Hi-Fi has that dock insert, so it came it came with a uh, like oval thing around the dock connector that was a, a fairly deep depression, and then it came with a set of plastic connectors. And for a while, when you bought like an iPod, it would come with a dock connector, and they were yeah. creating like a universal oh system where they could sh- custom shape the bottom of your iPod to the dock connector. What so what I'm saying is somebody could make one of those that is designed to go around the dock connector but totally cover it and make the top of the iPod Hi-Fi smooth. You could at least sell one of them to you and one of them to Steven, and then that's the whole market. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's like it's basically put mothball the dock connector of your iPod Hi-Fi because that's where I have my little Relay FM wood block that you guys gave the hosts mm-hmm. last year or two years ago. Um, that's where it is. It's covering the unsightly dock connector. So their product idea, they'll sell a couple of them. Two. Maybe even only one. Who knows? If you would like to send in a question to open the show, just tweet with the hashtag SnellTalk, and I'll be able to pull them into a document and bring one out for a future episode. Thank you to Pete for sending in his question. So let's go talk about some follow-up. I uh, saw a couple of people tweeting about this and noticed it myself, but we didn't talk about it last week because there were so many more other things going on. The uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lovely leather sleeve that appeared for the iPad Pro um, last year, or earlier this year, I should say, now exists for the MacBook, too. There is now a um, 12-inch MacBook leather sleeve available. I saw them in the Apple Store when I was there on Friday. Um, so if you want to carry around your MacBook in a lovely little uh, leather pouch in either saddle brown or midnight blue go wild it's only 149 dollars. <laughs> so i have the uh because it was part of the apple review unit kit i have that leather sleeve mm-hmm. for the ipad pro yep and i always think about using it like oh this is really nice maybe i'll use this when i travel and then i think nah like <laughs> i i no <laughs> so if you're i think it really is somebody if you've got like really nice like a business like a briefcase and then you've got this inside it and you want it to be all very nice and leather and high quality and stylish and all that then great but in most of my cases i've like i've got bags with places you put a laptop or a tablet and it, it, that's enough i really love to look at that thing though like i really, really it do. looks it looks it looks great my issues aren't with the look or the quality of it it is an amazing piece of leather work i think i mentioned on this show before that i, I was talking to matthew panzerino from TechCrunch about it because he's a shoe guy he loves shoes and he was talking about how he's noticed and that other people who know about like leather and stuff have noticed how apple's leather game is so much better than it was when they did the first watch bands and that they've like they've really the the leather products that that they make for these accessories are are so good and uh here i mean it's a beautiful all these sleeves are beautiful and there's a reason they cost what they cost they are a very high quality very attractive i don't the utility does not follow for me like it's just not the kind of thing i would use but Mm -hmm. if you're somebody it appeals to they are beautiful and uh well made last week on the show we were discussing the notch on the iphone 10 and wondering if any app developers could actually make use of the space right we you know we were talking about the fact that most of the apps that you'd seen jason it was mostly just people were extending the color bar or whatever right to the top like fantastic is a good example they just fill the notch like the the ears on the side of the phone they're just red right like the status bar just extends um yeah. there is a an application called uh i'm gonna say it's halide i, I don't know how you pronounce this halide H- Halide, thank you so much. H-A-L-I-D-E. It's a camera application. I'm assuming that Halide is some kind of camera thing. Um, It's a film reference, yeah. There you go. Thank you. I don't understand... Uh, professional camera apps so i downloaded this app and i i didn't know what i was doing um but it looks very powerful but what this application is doing it's putting some uh like i think it's like focus information and like graphs and stuff up into the notches so you get more screen space for the image itself they're not covering up the image with any information instead they're putting it right up the top and making use of the full screen I was really excited to see this because it shows that people can use this. 
in interesting ways and it infused me to think of how are developers going to embrace the notch as a as a design element and i think that this is not just a, a flashy looking thing there's actually some real utility in the way that they've made this app and 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 used the full screen to their disposal yeah not every app is going to nope. need to do that and i think i i've enjoyed some of the apps that are more um just sort of extending their yeah. user interface or or perhaps their i think it's carrot weather like their little clouds and other things that kind of uh, extend up there mm-hmm. it's not just the background you can draw things up there and sort of you extend your background texture or pattern and it uh it looks nice but there are some examples where yeah you can just take that area over and you put indicators in it and uh it's great looks great and also some follow-up from a few weeks ago. Uh, we were talking a bunch um, about Apple's potential streaming service and what their content might look like. Well, there was a report from uh, Recode and Bloomberg a couple of weeks ago uh, from Peter Kafka and Lucas Shaw, um, respectively, at that Apple are apparently, uh, when they're talking to aid, like Hollywood executives or they're talking like about people who wanted to pitch content to them, that they want family-friendly content for their streaming service. They do not want to feature sex or violence in their programming. And me and you were talking about this, and I think we both came to the uh, belief, like we both kind of agreed to the point that we believe that they would have this, right? Like they would go in the HBO uh, direction. But it looks like they have said they want to be family-friendly. Apple want comedies and emotional dramas with a more broad appeal. Um, that and there's a uh, I think this is a hilarious quote. Uh, they don't want kids to see a stray nipple is a is a quote that came from yeah. from somebody in Hollywood. So this may be true, although I I still have a hard time believing that this is absolutely the long term story. If you read the Recode story, I think it is closely. What you'll see is a description of how they anticipate Apple's rollout of the service to be. Yep, which is they anticipate that the first shows that that are stoking interest in Apple's originals are going to be either given away to everyone who opens to owns an Apple device or they're going to be, you know, maybe they'll be part of Apple Music. But the suggestion in the Recode story is that everybody who gets an Apple device is going to be given these shows. And there's a question of, will that mean they launch the service and if you've got an Apple device, you get the first six months free or something like that, the first three months free, where they would drop these first shows. The point in the Recode story is that they anticipate that the initial shows are going to be available to everyone and with no filter and no sort of like self uh, you know, uh, trying to try. I guess the way I would put it is, it's a little more like turning on broadcast TV in the sense of like everybody gets it. You don't choose to sign up for it or choose to turn tune in for it. And what they want is to make those shows have broad appeal and not lead to stories about I was offended by this thing that Apple did, even though we are full of adult content shows these days. So I think. I'm going to choose to read it, and maybe this is wish casting, but I'm going to choose to read that as Apple's launch plan is for broad because they know those first shows are going to get sampled broadly. And then when they're building their subscription service, they will start to uh, add shows that have more limited appeal, like adult appeal, because they want, uh, you know, they want to have a spread of it. But Tim Goodman and I talked about this on TV Talk Machine last week, and, you know, his... He's about as incredulous as I am that like if Apple, I mean, he went so far as to say like if Apple's goal here is to just make network TV on streaming, it will fail. <laughs> like, like I get the Apple's 
so this is the this is the mystery is does tim cook come in and say nope just family programming we don't want any of those things which is like jeff bezos was like i want the next game of thrones it's like okay well you know what's in game of thrones right sex and violence and language that's what's in and nudity in game of thrones all those things are in there amazon don't want, already have content like that though anyway, yeah right? oh yeah oh yeah they don't they don't care but, but this is this is what i'm saying is is you can't Somebody could argue this point, but I, I would disagree with them. I don't think you can go to creators who are going to create the very best content that's going to win you Emmy Awards and have everybody talking about your content and say, you can do whatever you want as long as it's something that would air on NBC. I don't I don't think that's going to work for them. Because I think the creators want the freedom uh, to do things that they feel are more realistic. And yes, titillating, but also realistic portrayals of people saying bad words and having sex and being naked because... People do those things, just not on network TV. Um, so I'm I'm choosing for now to parse the recode statement that this is all about launch and promoting this service and trying to cast as wide a net as possible. Um, but it will be interesting if Apple comes out with these shows and the take on them is that they're all kind of vanilla and boring. Um, and I think it will limit Apple's ability to sign top tier creators. If they say, again, we will give you lots of money, but your constraint is going to be that you have to be at a network TV level of standards and practices. I basically agree with everything you said. I think that this is their starting point. This is their free. This is the first taste type stuff. So they want to get everybody. But they know they're not stupid. Right. And they've brought in people that also know. Right. That know better than anybody. Right. Like they've hired great people and you'd expect that you know with the, the, the those the guys that they got from sony if they thought that they were just going to be making like fuller house they probably wouldn't have come on board right like i would expect they know the long-term plan um and that that it you know that it will then inform for them later to make some more edgy niche content. This report right. also did say that apparently Tim Cook got involved with an edit of Carpool Karaoke. There was an episode that he delayed because there was yeah, some with language Chelsea and Handler. content that he was unhappy with and uh, didn't think it was appropriate. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, if the message that the TV executives go out to to the creatives in Hollywood is um, that Tim Cook is going to watch your show and uh, and personally send demand edits because of uh, adult content. They're not going to sign anybody to deals who's any good. It's right. It's not going to happen. So this is this is actually a um, it's actually a harmful story for Apple. Yep. The, the, these stories hurt Apple's attempts to get into this. I would imagine that privately these executives are spinning this and saying, no, 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 it's just for the launch. And no, 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 that was Carpool Karaoke is totally different. And that's part of Apple Music and it's a different service and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like we weren't here then, right? Like we won't, you know, yep. that's not how it's going to be. It's going to chill their conversations with with creators. And, and again, I can hear somebody out there saying, come on, you can make a good show without nudity and violence and sex talk. And it's like, well, you can... You can, and there are lots of but, them, right? And but. There, right, but but a lot of the greatest stuff pushes boundaries, and the people who are the most bona fide kind of star creators of of content in Hollywood want to push boundaries and make the most creative stuff that will win them accolades and awards, mm -hmm. and sanded off family friendly content while it has a place, and there's nothing wrong with it, and I, you know, I. I 
I watch a, a, not a, a lot of it, but I watch I watch some of that stuff. I mean, I watch network TV stuff, and and it's fine. But it, that's not the stuff that the uh, the top notch of the industry are creating. And I don't think Apple wants to go out with a product that is basically like pay us ten dollars a month for more network shows. Like I, I'm not sure how that sells. So that's that's their challenge is how do they this comes back to the thing that you and I have talked about before is how is this going to roll out? What are they going to do? And maybe now we have a little hint about that, which is they're going to they're going to have a first wave of shows that they want to have kind of broad appeal that'll get people to start to appreciate Apple's video efforts and and they'll do that as part of the launch try to launch as broadly as possible maybe following the Apple Music model maybe they give everybody six months of access to it and then as that door is closing um, they also ramp up with new original uh, material that is um, that is maybe racier on one end and also maybe like more more targeted on other ends I mean maybe more children's content right I mean HBO like we said last week HBO has sex and violence and nudity HBO also does Sesame Street. <laughs> like <laughs> there is a broad range on HBO and Apple could do that too. From says from big birds to big dragons. That's HBO. That's what they're all about. Yeah, I really was sad about that scene where well no, it's a spoiler I'm not gonna say about what happened to Big Bird. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by Eero. Never think about Wi-Fi again. Eero have created the dream Wi-Fi setup that you want in your home. It is a they give you a fast, reliable connection throughout your house, even all the way out to the backyard. And now is the best time to get on board of Eero as they have their new super slick second generation devices available as well. They have now introduced their tri-band second generation model, which also comes alongside the Eero Beacon. These two devices allow you to build a Wi-Fi system that is perfectly tailored to your home. The new second gen Eero box includes a third 5 gigahertz radio, making it twice as fast as before. You can do more than ever. Whatever your Wi-Fi needs, Eero has the power to blanket your entire home in fast, reliable Wi-Fi. The new second gen Eero sits flat on any service you just plug it into the wall with the included power adapter and you're ready to go with either ethernet or wireless connections the new Eero also includes a new thread radio which lets you connect to low power devices such as locks doorbells and more and as that stuff becomes more prevalent in our homes it's great to have that hardware built right in the Eero beacon is a, is a lovely small device that you just plug right into the wall and it expands the coverage into any room of your house so you have the second gen Eero and then the beacons around the house and that's what blankets your entire home. You can add as many Aero beacons as you want, so long as you have the Aero device itself. And it, the beacon also includes a built-in LED nightlight with an ambient light sensor, so it can light your home and your hallways if you want to. Then you have the, the great app, which allows you to manage your network. You can name your devices. You can see what what's going on, and their customer support is amazing as well. You can get and you can get a, a call, uh, get hold of a Wi-Fi expert in just thirty seconds with Eero. Now, Jason Snow, I believe that you have an Eero device in your home. Uh, well, more than one, right? Because I have yeah. I have multiple. And the the example I like to I, give the, the Eero setup. Yeah, I used to have issues where um, my house isn't particularly large, but a uh, one base station wouldn't cut it unless it was in a weird center location which was like my son's 
closet. It was not great. And now with Eero, I just kind of got it blanketed because I've got one in the in the bedroom, one in the living room. And unlike others where I would have to like try to mess with them to get them to all sync up, now it's just it's all on the same network. They all hand off, and I've been able to put uh, uh, one of the Eero beacons out here in my office, and it reaches the. Uh, internet connected devices that are sort of in the front of the house that couldn't be reached before things that are on the periphery like uh, like cameras or uh, light bulbs that were previously kind of on the edge of Wi-Fi connectivity so it's basically it's I, I don't even think of it now like if you're in my house you can get clear Wi-Fi the new Eero system starts at $399 for a second-generation Eero and two beacons, which is everything that you need to get started. Listeners of this show can get free overnight shipping to the U.S. or Canada when you go to Eero.com, that's E-E-R-O.com, and use the promo code UPGRADE. That's Eero.com, promo code UPGRADE for free overnight shipping. We thank Eero for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Jason, you've had the iPhone 10 for a week now. I want to know how and if your feelings have changed or evolved. Like, is there anything that's sticking out to you more than it did a week ago? Um, is there any opinions changed or reinforced of your time with the phone? Uh so Face ID, the only failures that I've really had have involved me having something in front of my face, like yeah. uh, the microphone right here. Like that's something that I have to change if I want to flip open my phone while I'm on a podcast. I actually need to move away from the microphone just enough for it to see my face. You've got to get the Taze on Day move down. You know, you've got to move away from the microphone when you unlock. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's just a thing you've got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love it. I love the I love the screen. I love that it is it is it is edge to edge, you know, less the notch. The notch doesn't bother me at all. I don't really notice it. It's just part of the personality of the phone. I like the data up in the corners. I always felt like the status bar was too crammed full of junk too often. Um, I like the fact that they doesn't color the whole status bar now when you're in a in a particular like mode like recording. It just kind of puts a an overlay or a like a background under the the um the time yeah. so like tethering and calling and screen recording it used to do the whole big drop down but now it just puts a little colored circle but behind the time right so like it's a blue one for tethering and green for a call and red for screen recording yeah exactly so it's um it's it's this it's that sort of thing it's um it, it's all uh i'm just i'm just really liking it i i i have found myself in instances where before I would have gone and gotten my iPad, where I'm like, yeah, I want to play with the iPhone a little bit more, and mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's been it's been fun to use it, and um, and yeah, I don't say I don't think it's evolved very much, and that my initial response was really positive, and that I adapted to it very quickly, and that continues to be the case. It's nice to see new app updates come out. There there are still a few apps that have been you know revved over the last week to fix issues with. Uh, iPhone 10 compatibility, um, especially like midweek last week, all of the, we need to get this out by Friday, uh, updates started to hit. So like I was using the previous version of the Slack app and it was just, you know, it was, it was bars top and bottom. Um, and, uh, so letterboxed and, uh, and then they pushed an update on Wednesday or something. It was like, Oh, now it, it fits. And it's just, it's nice when that happens to, um, to get the full, uh, full screen use of the of the 10 but no i'm basically i'm 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 loving it i did get my one that i bought because i have the apple review unit which is a silver but i got the space gray one that i bought so i was able to kind of like compare the the look of the two models which is interesting i think the 
the space gray looks good, but not as good as I hoped. And the silver looks way better than I thought it would. Uh, I think I would probably choose the space gray anyway, if I had to choose um, one of them today to buy. But um, it's much closer than I thought because that, that especially that shiny polished stainless steel on the silver one is beautiful. And the fact that it's got the black front, the black bezels, because I never liked the white bezels and I'm glad that they're dead. <laughs> so I got a phone on Friday. I was able to get it. Oh, <gasps> the drama, the drama you managed. It was a busy day. I was running all over town, uh, but I was able to get, I have a, I have a silver one, um, which was what I wanted. I wanted the silver. Uh, I, it is called silver. I keep calling it white. People keep correcting me. It is silver. And I will say that like the back of it, is more silvery than the white has been on the front in the past, right? Like it, it's it's not as it's not yep. like bright white. It is more silvery. I mean, I had a PR person re- referred to it as iridescent. I don't. I, I sort of called it kind of sparkly, but um, it, it definitely is a different than even than the eight white background, silver background. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said that although most of the layers of coating on the glass are the same as on the iPhone 8, there is an extra layer on the 10 on the back. And that's that iridescence layer that makes it just a little sparkly. I love this phone, Jason. Like, <laughs> I knew you would. I, now, I plus, love it. plus Club, though, you're leaving the Plus behind. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, uh, in getting to that, too, as a, as, a, um, as a change. But go ahead. Go ahead. So I have lots, I have lots, I have lots of points. I have a whole list of points here comparing mm. it to the Plus, but I need to set up a couple of things first. So okay. the overall design of this phone, I, th- I think it's my favorite iPhone design of all time. It has this like luxury, futuristic feeling to it that maybe hasn't been this way since the first one. Like... I'm whenever I use this phone and I look at it and I pick it up and like I feel it and I see the silver and, and the screen and it lights up and the, the beautiful screen is right there in front of me. It honestly does feel like the future. Like and I know that it's the marketing line that Apple have used, but it is such a huge jump from the previous iPhone. There are so many little things about it that feel like huge, just huge advances. It feels like the future for for iPhone users, you know. And I know that some of this stuff. And I bet this was the same when you when you upgraded your Galaxy to the to the ones with the edge to edge screens, right? Like there is just something about this. I think it's more than a fad. Like these designs with the larger screens really advance these phones in interesting ways. Um, and I just uh, you know I've had it for like four days now, and I every time I look at this thing, I am surprised again at how much I love the way it looks. Um, I don't want to put this phone in a case. I've bought Apple Care Plus. Uh, I have ordered the in-case frame, um, and it's on the way, which is one of the bumpers I was talking about last week. I want to see what that's like. I have an Apple silicone case, which I've put in when I've left the house a couple of times, because even though I have Apple Care Plus, I feel like right now is the worst possible time to try and get an iPhone replaced. So, you know, I'm trying to be careful with it for the time being. But this phone screams to be caseless because it feels so great in the hand. The glass feels amazing and the stainless steel frame is just so beautiful. I don't want to cover it. Um, Doesn't it look good? Yeah, it really looks good. And But the only thing is without the case is the camera bump is, is 
bonkers on this one. It's huge. Like if you touch that foam, it's on the table. It almost does a one eighty flip. Like it's it's mad. It is. You know. I mean, I know the camera's big, and they, they. I think they made the bump a bit more of a design thing. Which when I look at it, I actually like the design of it. But using a phone on the table is tricky. But nope, it is actually, yeah. yeah. But to be honest, I'm using it less on the table anyway because it's not as easy to unlock. So I kind of pick it up That's anyway. Right. So I'm actually doing it less because uh, so I mean, you can unlock it when it's on a table, but you have to kind of like look right over to it. So I just find myself not doing that so much. Now, yeah. usually the main event of our episodes where we get new iPhones is talking about the horrors of setup. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. This one went great. And I even made it tougher than before. I was being tough on this phone, Jason. I decided to do a full iCloud restore, which is not how I usually restore. I usually restore via an iTunes backup, right? Because you're not pulling so much down from the cloud. Right. But I thought to myself, this is how people actually do set up their new phones. They set yes. them up with iCloud restores, right? So I thought to myself, I don't want to go easy on them. I want to make it as hard as it can possibly be because this is how everybody does it. You know, I'm setting up a new iPhone on iPhone release day via iCloud. And it was a little slow in some places, but overall worked great. There were no huge hangups, no apps that I couldn't download. I wasn't waiting all afternoon for apps. I know that in the US there were some problems with AT&T activation, but I had no problems here in the UK. Like I was really surprised at how well it worked. Um, iOS 11 has made this so much better. Uh, I applaud Apple for listening to their customers about how tough it has been to do this process because two huge things for iOS 11. One, where you hold one phone next to the other phone and it shares a bunch of settings, right? That was fantastic. So I didn't have to sign into a bunch of stuff. Uh, I didn't have to set up new Wi-Fi like that was all just shared. And they have condensed the amount of screens in iOS 11 for setting up the phone. So, you know, there was like, hey, what about these oh, yeah. suggested settings? And it just did it all for me, right? And it's, Isn't that you nice? You go in and change these. This was brilliant. We, we, we very specifically complained about that. Yep. And, and it was so good to see that that was a, a thing where they addressed their attention of like, do we need to ask them permission for all of these things? And so it's like, look we could just go with the permissions you already granted instead of asking you again. It's like, yes, please do that. And it saves yep. a lot of time and, and friction. The only thing that was weird for me was that uh, you, I had to install iOS 11.1 during the setup process. I've never done that before to my memory. Like that the hmm. phones didn't ship with the most recent version. I don't know what happened there. Maybe 11.1 was a little bit later than they expected or something. Yeah, I I think some phones must have been manufactured before uh, 11.1 was ready, and so they ship with an earlier version and then just do an auto-update or something like that. That must have been a production line thing in order mm -hmm. to keep the keep the phones flowing. Yeah. Uh, you will not be surprised to know that the review units provided by Apple were already updated to 11.1. I also, um, for me, my watch swapped over automatically. So when during the setup process, they were like, hey, do you want to pair this watch to this phone? And I was like, sure. And then at the end, they, I had to do the thing with the, uh, you know, you, you point the camera at the little thing. And then it took like five or 10 minutes and my watch was ready to go. So that was perfect for me. Everything was fine. I, I've seen a lot of people complaining that watches kind of went a bit awry, but I had no problems. It seemed that whatever the process, how it's supposed to be, for me this time, it worked that way. 
um, you know, maybe I can, maybe there's some conspiracy theory, right? Because we always complain about this stuff that maybe, you know, somebody adjusted my iCloud settings to make sure this wouldn't happen to me. Uh, but it, every, I say, Jason, this time I have no complaints about uh, setup of this device. So hats off to Apple because they've made some big, they've obviously made some big changes to that. Um, and it worked perfectly. Yeah, the last two years since we had our real unfortunate iPhone 6S setup experiences, Apple has made some great strides yep. on the software side to make uh, uh it, it, it's not without its issues and people definitely ran into some things but you can see the 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 trend here is that somebody somewhere at apple said you know what setup's too hard setup's not this is i mean they probably said a similar thing to what we said two years ago which is this is supposed to be one of the happiest days of your year it's iphone upgrade day maybe you know for most people it's every two or three years where it's like you get a new iphone you're really excited and then you end up super frustrated and angry because of all of the weird things that happen when you update it should be delightful and over the last two years you know it's not perfect but they have really made a concerted effort to make it a more delightful and less painful up, uh, upgrade process because it you should right your first day with your new iphone should be happy not you frustrating over a thousand dollars right like you should be able to sit down and play with the thing to their heart's content right i know like a lot of people including me like i cleared my afternoon i was like i want to spend my afternoon playing with my new toy and i got to now okay so face id i think is one is like a lot of people talking about this is like the big the big thing here but for me the screen the screen is the biggest feature that this is the thing that uh, i was most excited about and it's the thing that i'm most impressed at so with the notch i i barely ever pay attention to the notch i forget that it's there every now and then i'll open an application that is all white and then i see it as if it wasn't there before it's very very strange right so like i'm on my home screen and just doing whatever, and I open like airmail, which is all white, and I'm like, oh, I don't know what it is, but in some places, I just don't pay attention to it at all. And I love the way that the the apps look, look when they're updated. I love the way that it all just flows around. It looks beautiful to me. I was very surprised. Like I picked up my phone at one point, and like my old phone, my six plus, uh, my seven plus, seven plus. I had a seven, seven yeah, plus, seven plus. And the squared corners looked out of date, which was really weird. Like, I picked it up, and I was like, huh. I'd only been using it for a few hours, but there was just something about it. Like, the squared corners looked old now. You know, there's always that thing, right, that, like, as soon as there's a new Apple product, the old one looks decrepit. Uh, And for me, that was it. It was the squared corners. It was like it immediately stuck out to me as as a thing that looked old. Very strange. I love True Tone. Love True Tone on all my devices, and I think True Tone makes screens look so wonderful. And I am so happy to have it on my iPhone now because, like, paired up with the the wide color stuff and the OLED screen, like this screen just looks incredible. But part of the screen stuff, part of the overall size of the phone for me, obviously, comparing it to the Plus is a big point. I have been a long proponent of the Plus. Um, from the 6 and the 7, and I would have been about the 8. You know, if that was a phone that I would have got, that's what I would have got. I have, you know, Plus Club, it's a big thing for me. I am totally fine with the 10. Huh. All right, so what did you get from the Plus, and what do you, did you feel like you give up something, or is it giving you enough of what you got from the Plus that it doesn't matter? So one of the big reasons for me why I got the Plus and stuck with the Plus is information density. 
I was looking to get as much information on the screen as possible. Because a lot of what I'm doing on my devices is related to work, right? So like emails and messages and, you know, when I'm relaxing, I'm reading tweets, you know, like it's stuff like that. And honestly, like I've done some tests, like just side by side looking at it. You can see just as much or more on screen in these applications on the 10 than you can on the plus. So in an email, I can see more emails. I can see one more email in email. Um, in my message threads, I see one more message on the 10. In you know, in, in Twitter, in Tweetbot, I see more. Uh, in Notes, I see a little bit more. The only time that I've, that I've had a, a, a situation where I saw less was using the keyboard in Notes. I would see one less line. So in everything that I tried, I got basically the same result. Like I could see just the same amount of information on, and I can't on the 10 than I could on the plus. Like I know that um, landscape mode is more condensed, but I never use landscape mode. Like I never used it except for video. And honestly, like watching video on the 10 is perfectly fine, right? Like I have no problems with that at all. It's a big enough screen for that stuff. So the landscape mode doesn't bother me. Like I, I can feel that this phone is smaller and I noticed it on the keyboard, but I've gotten, I have adapted to the smaller keyboard significantly faster than I would have expected. I think for me personally, it's, it's actually nicer because I use Gboard and I mostly swipe with one hand. I use like a swipe typing. Wow. It's easier to do swipe typing on a, on a narrower phone. Um, but even when I'm typing normally, like I have adapted to that part quicker than I would have expected. You know, like a couple of days and it didn't feel small to me anymore. I think for me, like this phone gives me what I wanted from the Plus. I have a better camera, you know, I have the great camera and I have the space, you know, the space to see all the stuff that I want to see. The jury's still out on battery for me. Like, I don't feel like I've really gotten a good sense of the battery life. Um, but all phone battery life is bad, right? Like, there's n- <laughs> I'm never happy. Um, so as long as it can give me what, you know, so far I feel like I'm getting just as much, but I, I really I need to do more like concerted tests. But in regards to the screen size, like it's fine. It feels perfect for me. Like I'm, I have no problems with it at all. Well, that's I, I mean, this is the I'm trying to understand. It's inside the mind of the iPhone Plus user, right? Like what you got out of it versus what you get mm-hmm. out of this. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, and from, from my perspective, like I said last week, I get stuff like the dual camera, which, you know, if you had gone down, it's not just, it's not just what are you giving up um, in going down in size. It's also what you are not giving up that you previously would have to go down in size, like the dual camera. So it's a little bit of both. And as David asked in the chat room, right? Like, isn't there less space overall? Isn't this a different size class? Look, I I struggle to really understand a, a lot of the way that these screens match up. Like some people say it's bigger, some people say it's smaller. Like it seems to be a bit of a crapshoot depending on what statistic you're looking at. So I decided to make my test a real world test. I looked at lists. And in lists, which is what I'm looking at most of the time, lists of things, lists of information, I'm seeing the same amount of stuff. So that's what I want. Like I don't need the screen to be huge. I just need to get a lot of stuff on the screen. And I'm using the same settings for dynamic type and all of that stuff. And I'm getting what I'm looking for, right? Like, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm losing space, right? The only place where I feel that way is when I'm using an application that isn't optimized for the 10. Because then I'm just using like a iPhone 8 sized 
application and I really feel it then. But most of the apps, like the vast majority of apps that I use on my phone with any frequency have been updated and they look fine. So this is your mileage is going to vary on this depending on what you like a Plus phone for. But all of my uses of a Plus phone are taken care of with this screen. So right. I've noticed a bunch of changes to iOS. Um, one of them, one of my favorites actually, is the uh, the taptic feeling on the flashlight and camera buttons on the cover sheet. It feels like the mm-hmm. home button. It's wild. Like it, I don't know if, if you've felt this, but like it feels just like clicking the old home button. It has the exact same <laughs> feeling to me. Yeah, you're right. It Which does. is genius because it's like that's all it was, right? Like it was just a taptic feedback and they've done it on there. On the seven, I'm like, yeah. oh, wow. Like you click it and it just feels like there's a button going down. And I'm very impressed with that. And I like just clicking them. I just, I, do, I click the flashlight on and off now because it's just a funny little feeling to me. But yeah, I, I've, I was very surprised about that. The new gestures, um, the home gesture and the, the multitasking gesture, I've gotten used to those really quickly, quicker than I would have thought. Um, I have noticed uh, just, a, just a slight pain in my thumb, um, but oh. I'm not surprised by that because one, I've been using the phone way more than normal, and two, there's just a new gesture that I need to get used to. This is not abnormal for me. You know, Maybe I have bad hands, but when I change a, a thing like this, it just takes a little while for my hands to get used to the change. Um, I'll give a top tip to people. Uh, there seems to be a lot of misunderstanding or like a lot of different ways that people think that you activate the multitasking, right? Like I've seen like a million different ways of how you do it. To me, the one that I found the best is just swipe up and hold for a second anywhere on this, like from the bottom. You don't have to go all the way up to the top. You don't have to go from the left-hand corner to the right-hand corner. Just swipe up from the middle and hold for a second and then you get the, the multitasking view pop up. Nice and simple. Like that's worked great for me. Um, I don't know about you, Jason. Uh, I, uh, I never had a problem with it once I, once I realized the gesture is essentially just swipe your thumb up and hold it. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's all Mm -hmm. that happened and it, it it worked fine. It's funny. You, you remind me, um, one of the things that I have noticed that you asked about earlier on is, so I went to a, a college football game this weekend and I took some pictures with the 10 and I, um, you know, telephoto lens and then I zoomed in. So I use a digital zoom above the telephoto lens zoom on that camera to get these pictures uh, from the stands of the football game. And they are really good, like shockingly good, even zoomed in where I would think, oh, well, it's a digital zoom. It's going to be really awful. They, They actually look really good. And so I just, it was one of those moments where I took a bunch of pictures and realized just how good this camera is, especially since it, as somebody who's coming from never having had the telephoto lens. So, um, you know, being able to zoom in that much further and still have that much sort of like initial quality, uh, very, I was very impressed with that. It's great, right? Just, just throwing it, just throwing it on the, uh, on the pile. And, you know, it's funny, you mentioned uh, the thumb swipe up gesture. And we're talking about multitasking. I'll tell you the part that actually has really compromised me is on the iPad. Hmm. Because the iPad is like a half step in iOS 11 where it's kind of like the iOS uh, gestures on iPhone 10, but kind of not. Yep. And what I found is I really just want the iPhone 10 gestures on my iPad now. Like I want to I wanna swipe up and get 
you know, swipe up to home, swipe up and hold to get to a, you know, multitasking. I, I like having control center there on the swipe up, but um, I, I find myself in that weird position now where like there is a swipe up gesture on the iPad. So I do it and then the dock pops up and I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. And then I can do, you know, I can usually just hop over to another app there, but it's, it, this is going to be interesting in terms of how I build kind of a model in my mind of like interacting with the iPhone versus interacting with the iPad, because the rules are different on, on both now with iOS 11 and the iPhone 10. Wow. Well, I mean, face ID, right? Like, <laughs> that's a well, big that's one. true too. That's true too. Having to put my finger on the, uh, but, but I, I assume that in the next if if not in 2018, then in 2019, the iPad will be updated mm-hmm. to do Face ID. The iPad Pro will be updated to do Face ID, and will probably and probably drop a. It would not surprise me if it drops the home button, and goes to these gestures as a part of a you know a revamp of the iPad Pro. And uh, the advantage to that will be that the behaviors will be the same because it is a little bit weird to do that. You know, I just learned the swipe up gesture. Uh, in two forms for my iPad, and now I've learned them for the iPhone, and they're different, but related. Mm-hmm. That's the interesting thing is that you can tell. I mean, so much of the story of these things is the the groundwork that's been laid. I somebody somebody tweeted uh, about this this week, and I uh, I I nodded my head because I think I wrote a MacWorld article about this that said the same thing, which is like raised to wake is the perfect example of like that. How is that not like? That's a feature that exists because they knew Face ID was coming. Like it, it, they they have spent a couple of years overhauling unlock status, uh, making you mm-hmm. be able to unlock the phone without pressing the button in in order to tap on notifications or swipe to widgets. Like it's hard not to look at this as part of a larger proje- project that culminates in Face ID because now all of that stuff has paid off yep. when you can uh, when you can raise the phone to wake it and then look at it and unlock it and then be at that screen and choose whether to stay there or not they all go together like i i use raise to wake all the time now that's that's how it's it's basically raise to unlock your phone um so and that they they've been laying this groundwork for a couple of years in in uh in iOS i missed the battery percentage indicator um Honestly, I would prefer to just be able to replace the battery icon with a percentage number. Just the little icon doesn't work for me. Like, I like the percentage. Mm. Uh, And I don't like Control Center. I don't like where it is. I don't like the way that you pull it down now. I don't like the animation. Like, the animation is really weird. It seems to come up from the bottom. It's like a very... There's a lot about Control Center that I'm not a big fan of right now um and i'm waiting to see how that kind of shakes out but overall i I don't like the changes there to be honest i agree i uh, find myself getting frustrated where and maybe i'll get over it but i have those moments of like oh right control center yep um and and i realize i have to you know not use i'm in one mode where i'm just sort of like holding it in my left hand and using my thumb and then i'm like oh but i can't do that i have to I have to go and swipe up from the top and bring it down. And it's a, it's just a different kind of mode. And you're right. It's a weird um, effect because it like fades in as you swipe down. So like strange. the old, the old status bar comes down with it. Um, which is, which is really weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I, I, yeah, I miss having it more easily accessible. So I love face ID. Um, I've, I found that, you know, in a lot of times you, you do wait a little bit longer. Uh, maybe then it would be for Touch ID, but it feels better. Like it just feels better. Like I pick up my phone and I look at it, 
and then it unlocks. Or like I open one password and don't have to like move my thumb down again to the, it just feels yeah. right to just press the app and just look at it and then it opens up like i found that to be a more natural nicer feeling way of doing authentication rather than every time i need to authenticate something i have to push my 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 thumb and like hold and wait like it just feels right the animation pops up it tells me it's done and it goes through like i really like all of that um and I like some of the changes that it's brought as well. Like the automatic hiding of notification content is awesome. Um, I like the, I've never done that before. I've always had my notification show because I didn't want to be unlocking all the time. But now just whenever I look at my phone, they just pop out and I really like it. Um, and also something that's amazing for me, I, I've said already on the show, I use Gboard all the time, right? Like I don't have Apple's keyboard installed. I just use Gboard and which is Google's keyboard. And when I would have, when I would reply to things like messages from Notification Center prior to getting the iPhone 10, I would get, a, I wouldn't be able to use Gboard because the phone's locked. So I would get this, like, an Apple keyboard without autocorrect is how it would work. It was kind of frustrating a lot of the time, but it was just one of the trade offs. But now, because my phone unlocks whenever I look at it, when I reply to messages from Notification Center, I get to use Gboard, which is awesome. This is a little thing for me mm. that's made my experience way better because I'm able to use the keyboard that I like and use and that knows all of my autocorrect and all that sort of stuff from the notifications because the phone's unlocked now whenever I look at it. And one other thing, like if Face ID fails on me, I don't get frustrated with it the way I would get frustrated with Touch ID because in the back of my mind, I know that every time I put my passcode in, I'm training the Face ID system, right? Like... There, this this all came out a few weeks ago. You know, they, they Apple kind of explained how they're working with this. That if Face ID fails, but it, it, there is a percentage where it thinks it might be you, if you enter in your passcode, it will add to the data points that Face ID is collecting to make the system better overall. So every time I do it, I'm like, okay, like I know I'm doing this now, but by putting this time in, like I'm training the system, right? I was that's been a weird kind of feeling for me, but I'm like, okay, like it's gonna get better. I love Animoji obviously yeah we need to talk about animoji we sure do i mean animoji is exactly what i wanted it to be i'm having a great time with it but harry mccracken started an incredible thing called animoji karaoke and it has sweeped twitter uh over the last few weeks where people are creating just these wonderful videos of animoji characters singing along to music and there are just a million fantastic examples of this and they're so much fun and I am loving watching them. You've even made one or two. I made a couple. The first thing I did was I, I sang along to the Robot or Not theme as the robot. And I posted that in Slack. I don't think I posted that on Twitter. You sent that to me as well in, in, in iMessage. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. That's what I did. And then I um I did uh, a 10-second thing of uh, Get Lucky by Daft Punk as sung by the robot because it felt like an appropriate thing. And then, of course, what happened is that this uh, this definitely gained momentum. And the the optimal way to do it is you go to full screen mode in Animoji in Messages, where you tap on the little arrow up and it, it expands to full screen, where the top half is all the Animoji and the bottom half is the the different choices for which character. And you do a screen recording, and then you can just go forever instead of just ten seconds. It doesn't it record your audio, but it, it'll record, and then you overlay with. Uh, with the original music or whatever. And, uh, and so not to be uh, limited to singing, 
I acted out a scene from Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, <laughs> where uh, where Khan, who is a chicken, uh, taunts Captain Kirk, who is a fox. And it's uh, very I good. Did, I, it's I did very that. good. I did some I, acting. Of face I haven't acting. done any of these yet, but I'm not ruling it out. Right? Like I'm just. I probably will do something like fun, some fun stuff with it. I love it. I'm sending them to everybody. I'm sending the video clips. I'm sending stickers. Like I'm having a, just a great time with Animoji. There are some cool features to Animoji that are not necessarily obvious. And uh, Jason, you wrote a great article on Tom's guide, which I'm going to put in the, uh, in the show notes about how to use Animoji in full. Like the, I didn't know the full screen thing was there. Um, and you know, yeah. a lot of people don't know that you can, you can actually turn them into stickers. So, it's worth looking over that guide. It's actually it's a really good guide that you put together. Yeah, you do a you do a funny face and then tap on the face and drag it up, mm-hmm. and it's a sticker. Or tap on it, just tap on it, and it will insert a still. Or you can record for ten seconds. So you don't have to do the ten seconds with audio endlessly looping thing. If you think that's annoying, you can also just do a funny face and drag it in, and you've got a sticker, which is cool. Yeah, Apple stumbled across uh like a gold mine like this this animoji karaoke thing is is gonna sell iphones like i remember do you remember i said i believed animoji would be an iphone seller like in the same way that photo booth was mm. i think that this yeah. is the thing right like people making these little videos like i expect to see maybe before ios 12 or at least in ios 12 some more ways to use an emoji on the iPhone, as well as, of course, there will be more characters. Like, there will be. Uh, I would yep. be very surprised if we didn't see, like, Buzz Lightyear or something. Oh, that's interesting. Well, they've got, right, just that you could do a face map of, a, of an existing animated character, too. That's, mm-hmm. And they've got the Pixar kind of deals. Or, or Mickey Mouse, maybe. Yep. Well, you know what? why they won't do that? You know why those won't happen is because people will make them say terrible things. That's a possibility. <laughs> Yeah, right. Of that. And that's the, yeah. the Mickey Mouse. There's a famous, famous uh, Harlan Ellison story about how his first day on the lot at Disney working a job at Disney, he um, was in the cafeteria and and loudly because he's a loud and by all accounts annoying person was doing a Mickey Mouse, a dead on Mickey Mouse impression and having Mickey Mouse's voice say horrible things. And he was fired immediately. Like. That's right. So there's mm-hmm. the like brand brand. So 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 Buzz Lightyear may not be available, but emoji belong to no one. <laughs> and so yep. perhaps we will see more variations on emoji. I also keep thinking like the smiley face and all of its variants. You could, you know, you you could uh, do that. The, the, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they if they ride this a little bit further or if everybody is done with this. Even if even if this is this blows over in a week or a month. It's great publicity for the iPhone 10, mm-hmm. and uh, that that is you you know you can't you can engineer some publicity. We talked about that last week with Apple's sort of PR plan for the iPhone 10. Some of this stuff, though, you just have to hope it happens. And I'm I would bet people at Apple were thinking people are going to really like this. They're going to the internet's going to find fun ways to do this. And I don't think we've gotten to the end of it, right? I think this is going to keep oh, no. going. Yeah. I, w- I would be surprised if we don't see some late night talk shows like using this to do things too just as a you know again trying to be kind of current and and of of the moment Mm -hmm. exactly so i think yeah we're gonna it's good for apple though ultimately um and i had fun being chicken con (laughs) buried alive i love i absolutely love it it's such a great feature but it's fun. Yeah. It is It is something of the fun for me overall. I love it. I love this iPhone so much. I'm so happy with it. It's really good. You know, I, I feel like the last few years, 
iPhone releases have been, you know, they've been cool, but not like they haven't blown me away, you know? Everything is iterative with the iPhone, you know, most of the time. And mm-hmm. you get that moment, like the 6 was really different. And then you get 6.1, which was the 6X, 6.2, which was the 7, 6.3, which is the 8, essentially. And, and the same way with like the 5 and the 5S, or you could argue the 4, 4S, 5 and 5S were kind of all the same phone. Uh, no, I, I would say that there would have been bigger jumps, right? So like... You know, the 3G, whatever, it was new. But then we went to the 4, which is amazing. Then, you know, there's was a one more jump. iteration, and the 5 got bigger, right? So it was like, oh, the screen's bigger. And then the 6 got bigger still, and there was the like plus. Like I said, it's, then, it's arguable. You know, the 5 is sort of a stretched 4, so you could argue it. But yeah, that was a bigger change because the screen size actually physically changed for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, and you throw Retina in there, that was a big, I would say, a, a huge improvement. And, but so much of it is that they have the cameras better every year. And, the, you know, the, there are other features that are better every year. And if you buy a phone every year, it's just kind of this this March. If you buy it every two or three years, it's more dramatic, which is great. And that's what happened with Lauren's phone. Like, it, she, she's gone up three years worth of iPhone hardware, and it's great. And she loves it. The iPhone 8, she loves it. Uh, but the 10 is a big jump and it's a bigger jump than we've had since the six which was a while ago now it's like forever ago (laughs) so so yeah so that that um i was prepared to think it was weird and a first attempt i was really kind of stealing myself myself to being like it's expensive and it's weird and it's maybe not maybe a year too early um all of those things I was kind of like preparing myself for as I got into it. And I felt none of that. I just, it feels incredibly polished and a great piece of solid piece of hardware. Um, it looks great. It feels great. It's fun to use it. Like they really nailed it. I, I, when I saw Renee Ritchie's review, which posted the same time I did, and he basically said like, it's the best Apple product ever or something like this. This wildly, um, hype, hype ish headline. Right. And but I was like, yeah, they 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 killed it with this product. Like I'm not going to say best product ever because I feel like that's you lapse into potential like self parody when you do that. But this is they got this one. Like this is a winner. They they did a good job with this product. This is one of those that you go like, oh yeah, this is sort of like how we felt about the AirPods last year, where it's like, yep. oh yeah, this is like this is Apple doing everything that Apple can do on a new product. Today's episode is brought to you by. Encapsula, they will help you delight the visitors to your website whilst also frustrating those fiendish attackers, all because of their bulletproof security options and fast content delivery network. Right now, somewhere in the world, a website is being attacked. Some criminal is using giant botnets to scrape the content, trying to break and smash into databases to bring that site down. All of this sounds scary, but thankfully, Encapsula can work hard and does work hard to protect websites of all sizes with their network, which can process 30 billion attacks per second. That's a lot. Encapsula is super good at what they do, and that is why they've successfully defended some of the largest website attacks that have ever occurred. And if something bad happened your visitors will never even know because their content delivery network is so lightning fast people will be able to continue browsing your site even when encapsula are working to protect it you can keep up to date with everything using their smart dashboard which allows you to get a real-time overview of what's occurring on your site as a listener of this show, you can get one whole month of service for free. Just go to Encapsula.com slash upgrade. That's I-N-C-A-P-S-U-L-A dot com slash upgrade. Check it out now to find out more about what Encapsula can do for you and claim that free month. Give Encapsula a try. You're not going to regret it. Thank you so much to Encapsula for their support of this show and Relay FM. 
Jason Snell, it was earnings time. This one came out of the blue for me. I didn't even know there was so much going on. Uh, I've forgotten that there was an earnings call coming up. So I was uh, at Dan Morin's house last week in Boston, and uh, and he was like, hey, are earnings happening soon? And I was like, oh, geez, I hope they're not happening like tomorrow. And it was, oh, no, they're happening next Thursday. Of course they are. The day before the iPhone ten comes out, the, the week of the embargoed reviews and all of that, just throw in Apple's quarterly earnings. So, you know... This is how I spend spend my afternoon once every three months, which is making charts and transcribing analyst calls and writing stories. And it's a great job you do, Jason. A great job you do. I killed it on the transcription this time. Um, I used a uh, an online transcription tool and broke it up into little parts, and uh, I think I beat everybody out with my transcript. So that that mattered mattered for a good thirty minutes. But uh, but yeah, I did that, and uh, it's fun. It's good to refer to that, and then all the pretty charts too. So. Uh, good quarter for App- Apple. Like their fi- this is their fiscal fourth quarter, and it's kind of a sleepy quarter. I think it's their their smallest of all their quarters. Um, but it is uh, it was a record fourth quarter. They made fifty two point yep. six billion dollars in revenue, and from a a financial perspective, because this is the one time I turn on like CNBC every three months is to see sort of like what are the analysts saying, uh, and the Wall Street people are saying. And they say lots of stupid things is the answer. They say a lot of things about, oh, I don't know about this new iPhone. And uh, they say that every year and they're wrong every time. And uh, But this time, the the way the stock market works, right, it's all about the future. It's futures trading. You're basically like betting on where, where the company is going to go in the future. And if the company says we're going to have a great quarter, then the stock goes up because that becomes new information that's in there. And But but then they, they predict what they're going to say. And the stock sort of like builds based on the prediction uh so it's it's you know it's a whole thing but they the the apple guidance which is apple saying here's how much money we're going to make next quarter the holiday quarter which is the biggest quarter for apple every year um and they did their predictions the analysts did and uh and then apple which is notoriously kind of conservative in their estimation of what their next they 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 very rarely say it's a big number and then they don't meet it they meet their they meet their guesses um apple's estimate for what they're going to make next quarter during the holidays is was way above the analysts so they liked that and it would be a record uh, a record apple holiday quarter by quite a bit actually um and apple seems quite confident uh maybe a little less confident in the past because they don't they definitely have some new things with this iPhone 10 and iPhone 8 being out there, but they seem quite confident that that next quarter will be their biggest quarter of all time. So let's break down some of uh, what happened in financial Q4, and then we can talk a little bit more about that because that is really interesting. The future. The, the future. So uh, the iPhone, 55% of the revenue for the company. iPhone 8 sales exceeded expectations. Um, Luca, is, what was what is Luca's first name? Uh, Luca is his first name. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's Luca Maestri. He Luca is Maestri, the, uh, he's that's the CFO. It. Okay. Luca ba- Luca Maestri does not sleep with the fishes. That's Luca Brasi <laughs> from the Godfather. You know what? That's why I had to ask you because I just I know. hear Brasi in my head. I, I'm so sorry, Luca. Brasi. Luca. Mr. Maestri. Maestri. And Cook uh, noted that, si- that since the 8 and the 8 Plus went on sale, that they uh, became the two most popular iPhone models and have been every week since then, like of all time. So, which is wild. That is a direct... That is a direct attack on the 
some analyst report that said that the iPhone 7 was selling better than the iPhone 8. That's what that's about. Right. Okay. So they instantly became the most popular is what they're saying. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The 7 did not stay above them. They immediately became the most popular and have continued to be. So that they were really batting down without mentioning it. They were batting down a very specific report that the iPhone 8 sales were weak and that the 7 sales were actually better than the 8, which was based uh, on a bunch okay. of numbers that mm-hmm. were really dumb and that everybody looked at and said, really, that doesn't seem right. And then Apple's like, yeah, it's it's totally not, Bogus. not right. The, yeah. The iPhone 8 Plus is the best selling today of any of the Plus models, which surprised Apple. Yeah, this is once again, I I love when they admit that they were surprised. And um, they, they did that a couple of times in this call. And this was one of them, which is the iPhone 8 Plus selling, um, in the, you know, presumably in its mix with the 8, the best selling Plus model to date. And that they weren't really anticipating it to do that well. Um, and it shows strength in... Right, because them them being surprised means that despite all of their an- analysis they've got, which is way more than anybody on the outside has, they uh, they still can be surprised by demand for certain products. And the mm-hmm. Plus, the 8 Plus definitely did that. I mean, if I was going to put on my analyst hat for a moment, I would expect it's because the Plus is not the top of the line anymore, it's the middle. And that people are just drawn to that. Like, it now sits in the middle. I have a very important question. What does your analyst hat look like? Does it have like a propeller on top? That or was exactly like what I was thinking of actually, that it was one of those hats with the propellers on the top. It I says mean, analyst on the front uh-huh. and there's a propeller on there's top. Propeller. And, and that right. propeller is is to help me shoot up the charts. Um, production is ramping up on the 10. They're making more and more of them at a rate that they're attempting to make more and more of them all the time. Right? Like that's, kind of, you know, they're like, yeah, okay, we're going to keep making them. He said, we don't know when they're going to be in balance or not, but uh, they always say that, honestly. They're, they're always kind of struggling with how they get into supply-demand balance uh, mm-hmm. of a new product. And what they didn't say is, we anticipate really limited demand, and therefore we're not going to be able to sell very many in the holiday quarter. And in fact, their estimates for margins and for uh, profits in the holiday quarter suggest that they think the iPhone X is going to sell pretty well, as are the 8 and the 8 Plus in the holiday quarter. So um, this is them showing some confidence in their ability to fill the fill the supply chain. And we, we've seen that. Like, like the phone is not back-ordered until January or February at this point. Even now, you could you can still get, I believe, the phone, the iPhone 10 in December, and there are still they still show up in stores. So they are doing a pretty good job of fulfilling demand and, and and ramping up. And the fact that your iPhone required a software update suggests that they've been building these things for a while mm-hmm. in order to get a big pile of them to sell at, at launch. Um, the other thing that they said that they aren't sure about, which I think is, was, again, telling, is this fact that they're selling the 8, 8 Plus, and the 10. And somebody asked them, like, what does that mean in terms of the mix of your sales? And are you going to suppress sales of the 8 for the for the 10? Or is the 10 going to make people defer to later and all of that? And Tim Cook said, you know, we've thought about it a lot. We've got some ideas. This is this is our best guess. But we've never done this before. And he, he actually kind of laughed he was like, we've never done this before, so we'll see. Like, there was a, an admission there, at least a little bit, that Apple, which is which likes to have everything wired, everything locked down, of like, here's what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen. We're experts. We got this. They're like, yeah, the 10, the 8, 8 plus, the 10, we don't really know how that's going to go. We're confident, but uh, we could be taken by surprise. And that's... Um, they are more likely to disclose that to, in a financial context, right? Because they are... 
trying to provide financial analysts with an understanding of the risks going forward and the limits of their knowledge and what they're able to project. But as people who follow the products like we do, it's still interesting information that they're uh, you know, they're not quite sure how it's going to do because we talked about what a gamble this is on on one level to con- kind of take this uh, machine that makes money, which is the iPhone, and change how it runs by having this extra product in the product line at the high end. And, uh, you know, this is them saying, we think it's going to do well, but we don't exactly know. The iPad. Second quarter with a sales yeah. increase. Yes. I- iPad yes. Uh, not not dead for the second straight quarter. Isn't Woo! that nice? <laughs> so excited. So excited. 10.3 million units beating 9.3 from the quarter before. And the really, the, the best part of this, the very best part of this is that the average selling price took a bump up, which is a very, very good thing because last quarter, the average selling price went down. And what it indicated mm-hmm. was that the increase in unit sales for the iPad year on year was because there was pent up demand for a cheap, regular $329 iPad that they were going into education. And the fear was that's what people wanted and the pros they didn't care about. The average selling price going up means that the 10.5 did its job. And I'm so freaking happy because the iPad is on the rise. Proving, proving that if you put the effort into the product, as they have with hardware and software in the last 12 months, you will sell them. And this is really, really good news for people like me and you who love and use our iPads. I'm so excited about it. Yeah, it is. Uh, just to, just to put this in context, uh, what was it? 13 straight quarters, 12, 13 straight quarters of year-over-year unit decline, mm-hmm. followed by two straight quarters of more than 10% of double digit unit growth year over year. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how the holidays shake out and will they be able to go year over year? Cause that will mean that they'll need a bigger bump because the holiday sells a lot of iPads. So how will that do? Um, I would, I'm more inclined to believe that they will grow year over year in the holiday quarter too, because it feels like they've righted the ship here a little bit that they, that they hit bottom and now they're in a growth path and it may not be a, an exponential growth path, but like, even if that iPad grows like 10 to 15% a year, that, that is a, they're moving, they're moving in the right direction. Or even stabilizes, you know, that's all we really wanted was just stability. You know, like the Mac continues at stability, right? And we'll talk about that in a moment because there's some interesting stuff there too. But, you know, like the Mac is relatively stable. The iPad was just falling, falling, falling. So stability and increase, I mean, it's amazing. Like I could have, I dreamt for sales increases, honestly. Like all, all I was really hoping is that it would just stop falling. Um, and it, this is just fantastic news. I'll, I'll also point out the revenue last quarter, year over year revenue increase for the iPad. You mentioned the ASP, which is absolutely true. Like they're selling more iPad Pros. The 10.5 iPad Pro is driving th- a lot of the sales increase where it was last quarter, it was that cheap iPad. And so last quarter, year over year unit, sale, uh, unit sales went up 15%, but revenue only went up 2%. This quarter... They were up 11% in units and 14% in revenue. So you can see it in a couple different places that this is a good story. So second straight quarter of good story for the iPad, but that story was about the cheap iPad. And this quarter story is about the iPad Pro doing well. So yeah, iPad fans, thumbs up. 
it, it was good. It was a good result. 2017 was the best year of sales ever for the Mac. Who would have thought that? <laughs> Who would have yeah, best that? guessed that one? Uh, the fourth quarter was the best quarter increase of all of them. Uh, 5.4 million units compared to 4.9 million the year before. Apple said that they sold more Macs in China than they ever have before in mainland China. ASP yeah. is up. And, this, and Apple suggested this is all due to the MacBook Pro. Yeah, this is basically... Because um, this is not as far as I can tell, the best year for the Mac in terms of units, but it is in terms of revenue. And uh, the reason for that is um, the MacBook Pro, right? It's that that's a more expensive computer, that they, that they sold a lot of them and it's more expensive. And so the average selling price went up and the revenue went up. So they averaged... They averaged six point five billion in revenue per quarter in fiscal twenty seventeen. So uh, that's that's healthy. That's the most that they've in, in my charts. That's the most they've ever done in a four quarter average is six point five. So that's good. That is their best of the, best of the year. In twenty fifteen, they did six point four. They were close. Units they're down at one point at the end of twenty in twenty fifteen again. They sold about five point one five million max and uh it per quarter for that year and it's 4.82 this time uh so not they're coming off of a high in 2015 like they are with so many other products right like the iphone especially but still it's a good it's a good mac year like they said it's the best in terms of mac revenue um it's a 25 percent year over year change in mac revenue it's four straight quarters of mac revenue growth um so I, as a glass half full person, I say, look, the Mac is a good and growing business and new Macs drive Mac sales. I can see how a glass half empty person would say, um, one, if you don't like the MacBook Pro, you look at this and you're like, what do you mean? I, I hate that thing. Why is that driving Mac sales? I, mean, I could argue because it's the MacBook Pro and people are going to buy it because they need a MacBook Pro. They need a Mac Pro Mac laptop and they they maybe they care about the stuff you care about, about the keyboard and, and USB-C and all that, uh, but they still need to buy it and maybe they don't care. But uh, it's been a business success. I would also say the glass half empty person might say, um, well, geez, if it, the, the product is this successful, maybe they should pay more attention to it. But I feel like we had that moment with the round table that was sort of like, okay, we hear you. And we've seen some behavior on Apple's part in terms of updating Macs more frequently, like the MacBook Pro got a got a speed bump at some point. And we've also seen that the Mac after, uh, you know, after a, a down year, like the iPhone has had a good uh, growth year this year. So I'm choosing to be hopeful that the more the Mac grows and the fact that Apple is paying more attention to the Mac, this is good for the future of the Mac, especially when you when you talk, as they mentioned in the analyst call, that the PC market contracted. And so Apple gained market share. And that is always, I think Marco made this point on ATP last week, is you can say that the Mac is is boring and the PC market is boring because it's a market that is contracting, but you could also say that it's a huge opportunity and that Apple could double Mac sales if it wanted to because 
the PC market is boring and contracting, but Mac sales are growing. So they could steal even more Mac, uh, more PC sales away and convert those people to Mac users. And you could, you can still get a growth business for quite a while in a market that's contracting. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I think this is really great news. As good as the iPad news is, because it's sort of like off death's door, um, the Mac news is also really good because after 2016, you could have looked at it and said, okay, the bottom fell out of the Mac. It's just going to be flat from now on. And that's not the case. In fact, it's, uh, it's accelerated this quarter. Apple Watch and wearables are growing. We don't have data on this specifically. Nope. We know that Apple Watch saw a 50% growth year on year and that the overall category is up 75% year on year, probably also including AirPods. But that's as much as we get statistics-wise. There's no revenue. There's no units. Nothing built into this right now. Right. They, they used these, uh, you know, no details, just growth numbers to say, Apple Watch, they said third consecutive quarter of growth that I assume is year over year, uh, but that's good. You can do you can do some solving for X and sort of figure out what the Apple Watch growth is is really, and um, and some of the analysts have done that, and I think they've done a good job. As much as I joke about the Bezos chart of uh, we don't really know, it's just Tim Cook says stuff. Uh, you can get a sense, and they have said, yeah, three consecutive quarters of of fifty uh, percent year over year growth is good. That's really good. Like that's better than any other product in Apple's product line, and it's a small number, which is why it can grow so fast. But it's still growing. The Apple Watch is not. I every now and then I see somebody like, oh, the Apple Watch, that's stupid. And it's like, well, okay, but look, they're growing that business fifty percent year over year every quarter at this point. That's a pretty good sign that it's doing well, and that their wearables is up seventy five percent year over year. Says AirPods are doing really well too, and they, I like how they class, classify those together mm-hmm. as wearables. Like this is their message to Wall Street, especially is like we're in wearables. Like this is this is a, an ongoing thing, and it's not just one product. We're we're going to make little computers that you put on your wrist or stick in your ears or who knows where else they might go. Maybe in your analyst hat. We'll see. Apple propellers. Uh, services are at an all-time high. $8.5 billion in revenue, up from 6.3 the year before. That is a huge jump. And uh, Luca Maestri, not Bratzi, said that Apple Music has turned the corner, whatever that means. But we can assume that what that means is they got a lot more subscribers in the in this quarter. So services is up and everyone's happy. They're getting money from all all this is the yeah this is the product because it's weird because it's services and not a physical product and so it changes how you have to think about Apple's business but it is the the part of Apple's business that is growing like the iPhone grew in the early days like the iPad grew in the early days where it just keep, it's like a machine it just keeps on growing and Apple has said they wanted to double their services revenue from you know from 2015 or 2016 maybe by 2020 they they expected to double it and they are on their way to doing that and the Wall Street people, the money people, love that. Uh, if, you're, if you're focused on Apple as a hardware company, services is weird and different. And, you know, we talked about Apple video service earlier, but, like, this is all still a huge part, a uh, huge component of their business and is growing dramatically. And the Apple Music stuff, they mentioned, uh, they gave an update to that, which Luca has been doing for the last few quarters, because once they launched Apple Music, they admitted that the iTunes sales were dropping. They didn't talk about it before then, but then they're like, yeah, you know, iTunes music sales have been dropping. Um, but what they said this time was that it's turned the corner, that their music segment is now growing again for the first time. 
And that's because they still have iTunes music sales revenue, but their Apple Music is growing enough. I read between the lines and said is growing enough to offset the loss of a la carte music sales. And so they've got a growing music business again. And then looking forward to Q1. So as Jason mentioned, um, this the Apple are forecasting a, like just a storm of a quarter. A guidance of 84 to $87 billion for the quarter, which would be between 5.6 to 8.6 billion more than last year. This, if they do this, this will be the company's largest year-over-year jump of all time, beating the $17 billion increase from 2013 to 2014 Q1. So Wall Street is understandably freaking out over this because it's such a huge amount of money. The record quarter for iPhone sales is $78.2 million. I wonder if they're going to beat that too. I assume so, right? Like if, if you're going to drive $5.6 to $8.6 billion more revenue, that's got to come from iPhones, right? Uh, primarily, right? But I, I think they would imagine that all their products will sell better, but I think they're anticipating a huge number of iPhones sold. Eight, because the eight only was out for a short time in this quarter, um, in, the, in the, the past quarter. So most of that is going to be here and the iPhone 10 is going to be in here. So that's that's a huge part of it. I should say, I'm not quite sure where that, uh, like the biggest the biggest jump thing comes from because in holiday 14 they did 57 billion basically 58 billion and holiday 15 (laughs) they did 75 well no it's 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 the biggest jump they've taken in a while not ever because Uh, the jump from 2014 to 2015 was enormous that was when the iphone kind of went supersonic that like they they went from mm-hmm. 58 billion to 75 billion let's say that in was recent bananas. history then is a better way to say it. I, but I, the misread, last, I misread but the last the last three have been incremental like the last three holiday quarters have been 74.6 75.9 78.4 and and so i think it would have been reasonable for wall street to say okay this is the new normal with apple they'll hit 80 and I think that's basically what they did. Is they're like, yeah, it'll be eighty. And Apple's like, nope, it's going to be between eighty four and eighty seven. And Wall Street's like, oh my god, what, what is what? And presumably, you know, the stock went up and all those things too. So it's it's quite a bold, a bold prediction on their part. Even though they admit they don't entirely know what's going to happen with the iPhone, they're still confident enough. And they generally hit in that range. So I think we we will look at a sixty, you know, eighty six, eighty seven billion revenue quarter which is bananas right and that's that's keeping in mind that four years ago their holiday quarter was 58 to be like 30 billion more in a few years time they may hit 100 per quarter oh yeah i mean if you look if you look at their their holiday quarter revenue numbers uh in in what is it in uh the 2010 holiday quarter it was 26.7. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is wild. And so as we move to the end of the decade, they're they're closing in on 90. Um, yeah. it's it's This is one of those things where I post these charts and people are like, yep, Apple's totally doomed. Like, again, Apple is not free from its... Uh, uh, be, from criticism just because it's making money and there are lots of people who criticize it and and rightly so and their products and strategies all should be analyzed carefully no one can deny that Apple is just printing money 
at this point. Just it is a massively profitable and a huge revenue driver is just a huge company making huge amounts of money. Today's show is also brought to you by Casper. Casper are the company focused on sleep and they're dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. You spend a third of your life sleeping. If you spend a third of your life doing anything, right, you want to make sure it's as best as it can possibly be, and that's why you need Casper. Their mattresses are perfectly designed for humans with engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry. It's got all the right support in all the right places. So what goes into making a Casper mattress so comfortable? Well, they combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Casper mattresses are designed and developed in the US, and their breathable design helps to regulate your body temperature throughout the night. And with over 20,000 reviews of an average rating of 4.8 stars, Casper is very quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. You can be sure of your your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. They deliver directly to your door, and if for any reason you don't love it, Casper has a hassle-free return policy. Jason Snell, tell me how much you love your Casper mattress. I love it. You know, as I've detailed before, we used to have a crappy mattress that was more like a trampoline and I didn't like it and it was uncomfortable to sleep on. And the Casper, it's like, uh, it's very nice to get into bed at the end of the day and lay in that uh, supportive and yet uh, comfortable Casper mattress. And I've had it for what a couple of years at least now. And it's still great. Like, I, I don't feel like it's an old mattress that needs to be gotten rid of or anything like that. It's still, uh, it's still great. So thumbs up. Start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. You can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash upgrade and using upgrade at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. That's casper.com slash upgrade and offer code upgrade for $50 towards any mattress purchase. We thank Casper for their support of this show and Relay FM. Let's wrap up today with some hashtag ask upgrade questions. <laughs> Mayer asked, if Apple knew that the iPhone X supply could be limited, why did they include more countries than usual on launch day? For example, India is usually not included, but it was this time. So I had some thoughts about this, Jason. Um, like, you know, we were concerned, and, and it does look like the supply was maybe not as limited as we'd feared, but still limited, right? So why, if, if, design, if, if supply is limited, why include more countries? I expect... It's because they they want to show the same commitment to their growing market in India as they did with China. Like Apple want India to be their next big major market, so they should treat it as such. And you show it respect. You show the market respect by giving them the device on day one, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think Apple... I think this is one of the ways that Apple pushes itself is Apple wants to roll out internationally everywhere. You see a lot of tech companies, they roll out in one country or three countries or seven countries. And Apple wants to keep expanding its day one rollout. And it's, mm-hmm. it's got a lot of work to do still, but it, it is pushing it more and more every time. And I imagine they go into a new product launch and they say, you know, we, we're going to push you on how many of these you can make and we're going to push you on, we're gonna, you know, on shipping them internationally. And if they truly felt like there was no way anyone was going to get them and it was going to be a debacle, they would have cut back on the launch countries. I think you could have taken the number of launch countries as a sign that Apple was pretty confident that they could ship uh, enough iPhone 10s to get close to demand and not have it be like a disaster where they're turning people away who are going to not ever buy their phone. Um, and you're right, they're investing in those countries. Like China, it's super important because there's a there's definitely a perception that a lot of iPhone sales in China are for a, a, you know appreciably different 
models. Like when a, when the iPhone changes a lot, there was, when the 6 came out, there was a huge spike in sales. And so there's anticipation that the 10 is going to be wildly successful in China. And so you know they want to be there. But yeah, they said very nice things on the analyst call about India and how encouraged they are and how that business is growing. So they, they definitely want to give them some love too. So I think it's a combination of them wanting to up their game in terms of pre-production of units and up their game in terms of distribution in different countries. Because I think ideally Apple would ship phones to every region on day one. I think that's what they really would like to do. And they can't quite do that yet, but um, I think they want to get there. And so they, they want to keep pushing on that front. So we have Vidit in the chat room who's in India. Um, and Vidit is saying that supply is very low, right? Like th- that they're not distributing it to all of the sure. resellers that they usually do, right? Like that it is low. I mean, it is low everywhere, of course, but like it, it is there. They're trying, right? But yeah. Well, and I, I think Apple probably looks at the India market and says a a phone that's $9.99 in the US, like there is a very small, small section of the India market that will pay that kind of money for an iPhone. And so they can say that it's in India and they can give some to their partners who can sell them to their very best customers, but they probably don't imagine that that's a huge drain on the on the production line, right? Because Apple's doing most of its India cultivation at uh, lower price points where where it's more affordable to middle class people in India but uh you know why not put the iPhone 10 on the list and let your partners there sell those to their you know their top notch customers who will pay the most for the latest and greatest so yeah i think that's reasonable that they're not anticipating it's going to be a huge seller but they want to have it available in in that and then they can check it off and say yeah we were in india day 1 Tyler asked, when the iPad eventually gets Face ID, do you think they keep the camera at the top or move it to the long side where the thicker, longer bezel is? What do you think, Jason? That's a good question. Um, Apple has aggressively treated the iPad as this, I mean, like the logo on it suggests that they, they really think people use it in portrait orientation, but I use it mostly in landscape. I, I realize that perhaps I'm uh, an outlier there no 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 smart keyboard right like they, they, they apple look at it as both right? now right like they acknowledge the landscape i think that i think it's a i think it's a question of um you know the 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 cameras in one place i think i don't think it matters i think they will leave enough of a bezel that it won't necessarily have a notch on the ipad but they'll try to get it close to the edges much closer to the edges than it, than I mean they've been doing that anyway. I, they could do a notch, but they they may not. They may not bother with that because they've got more room to play with. Um, I think the real question is going to be letting Face ID uh, camera and projector and dot projector and all of that do um, handle handle both orientations. Yeah, right. Because the iPhone doesn't right now. You have to be portrait. And I don't think they're going to do two sets, right? They're not going to do two no. sets of sensors. There'll be one set of sensors. So if I had to pick where it's going to be, my guess is it'll be where it is now, which is at the top in portrait. But mm-hmm. they're going to need it to work in landscape. They wouldn't need two, Jason. Need four. You'd need four cameras on it if it only works in one orientation, right? Because you could be holding it upside down and like depending on what landscape side there's no specific landscape size you'd need at least three maybe four cameras it'd be wild so i actually think now that face id on the ipad is a little bit further away than i thought it would be i thought maybe we'd get one next year but it might be further away than that like the technology has to be better i guess to be able to do it in multiple orientations which they will i expect fix eventually but that might not be immediately we might still be waiting a little bit for that Simon wants to know, 
Do you think that we will see any new iPhones coming out of Apple without Face ID in them? So next year, will Apple sell a new iPhone that does not have Face ID? I think there will be a new iPhone SE that won't have Face ID, right? And I mm-hmm. think there will probably be an iteration on the 8, like an 8S or something, yep. that will not have Face ID. I think we have one more year of, of non-10 phones, right, I, this design. I think we have one more year of there being another iteration on the, the 6, 8, 7 line before we get to multiple of the new full screeny phones they like to keep the old models around so those old models will have it and they will probably do some progression on the old models i doubt that they'll just be like here's the iphone 10.2 and uh the old iphones are gone you can just keep buying the 8 like i my gut feeling is that there will be an 8s and they'll keep kind of driving that forward they may not they may just keep the 8 around and let it kick around for a while um the se needs an update though so if i go by the fundamentals of this question i would say uh yes there will be because i think there'll be a new se and it'll still not be face id mike asked have you noticed any screen issues on the iphone 10 like the pixel 2 xl i don't have the pixel 2 xl so i've only read um reports about it i would say there is a slight color shift i didn't really see it at first um but if you look at the white screen and you tilt it a little bit it gets a little bit bluer um but it's super subtle i my understanding is compared to most oled screens apple's done a good job to kind of like minimize it and have it be not like localized to part of the screen but it's really kind of the whole thing just makes a a little bit bluer Um, and that's just an oled thing um i haven't noticed anything beyond that um people have noticed that the the uh, auto brightness setting in the display settings is has been moved to accessibility. Uh, it's really been hidden away. And on the iPhone X, it actually says, if you turn this off, it may impact the life of your screen. Oh, wow. And, uh, huh. Yeah. And that that's an example where Apple is trying very hard to get... Um, you to not change that setting because it it might have an impact. So yeah, if you have to you have to go to general Excel, accessibility uh, display, I think, and then um, just yeah display accommodations um, auto brightness, and it says turning off auto brightness may affect battery life and long term display performance. Right. So Apple is doing a lot of stuff to deal with the fact that it's an OLED screen. But mm-hmm. right now, it looks great. It looks beautiful. I, I, I love the contrast on it. Um, I don't really watch a lot of videos on my iPhone because I prefer my iPad, and my um, my iPad Pro can do HDR video too, so it's that that's pretty great. Um, but uh, it's something that bears watching, right? I mean, it is a first-generation product, and even if it's great today, there could be issues that crop up over the next year or two that we learn about and we that we just don't know because it's a, it's a new Apple product. Yeah, I can't remember where I heard. Oh, this is in uh, Neil Patel's full review. He said, like, all OLED screens have burn-in. It's just a case of how long. Yeah, and and what what Apple does to try, try and subvert it and move move things around, right? Because you can you can try to avoid burn-in in a bunch of ways by changing what's on the screen. Like like in the notch, do they, you know, try to vary what's in the notch? so that it doesn't burn in, you know, the usual stuff that's in the notch. That it's all of these things. I'm sure that they're doing a lot of analysis and trying to do what they can in software to mitigate this, but it is an OLED screen. And yeah, there will probably be a story in th- two or three years where somebody is like, oh, I can't resell my iPhone 10 because it's got some burn in. 
and uh, that'll be new. But you know, by by two years from now, it might also be like, well, yep, that that's what happens with these screens. So who knows? I mean, that that's the truth of it is we just don't know. Oh, I was going to say one thing. I wanted to do a follow up of uh, uh, somebody pointed out in the chat room. Uh, I said the iPhone 8s, but it may be the iPhone 9 just to give us an iPhone 9, so it isn't just hanging out there. Like, do yeah. an iPhone 9. It's like I, like Mac OS 9. It's like, yep, it and this is the bridge. And now we'll have uh, have a funeral for the iPhone 9. And finally today, Charlie wants to know: Can you send an emojis through other apps uh, other than iMessage? Maybe an app like WhatsApp. So. An emoji is an iMessage application, right? Like it's not a standalone thing. It is an app in iMessage. But when you send an emoji, it becomes, it's a video file. So you can tap it's a video. it, you can save it, you can share it in other places. So a way you can do this, send them to yourself. So just yep. open up iMessage, put in your email address or your phone number, record the an emoji, send it to yourself. Once it's sent, tap on it. Then you get the little share button. So you can you can save it as a video to your camera roll or you can share it to other applications. It's not ideal, but it's a way to do it. So there you go. And then you can send an emoji. You can put them on Twitter. You can put them on Slack. Put them on WhatsApp. Wherever you want. Whatever you want to do, you put them anywhere. So that, that's one of the great things about it is that you can do that because, you know, Apple could have found a way to stop that. And I'm pleased that they didn't because it's allowed for an emoji karaoke, right? Like that's because the fact that you can get them out of iMessage as these video files. All right, so thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to find our show notes, it's at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 166. If you want to get involved with the show, you can uh, ask us a question for the beginning with the hashtag SnellTalk, um, and that can open up the show with something fun, something different to, to keep us nice and varied at the beginning. And if you have any questions you want us to answer that are a bit more technological in nature, you can use the hashtag AskUpgrade, and we close out the show with those. If you want to find Jason online, he's at jsnell on Twitter, and he's uh, over at sixcolors.com for all the great commentary that he does, uh, along with Dan Moran and some some other featured guests. I'm at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks again to Casper, Encapsula, and Eero for supporting this week's show. And most of all, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, everybody.